Hello and welcome back to the Backhanders. Here we bring you all the ins and the outs from the great game of tennis. We cover each tennis slam and unafraid to slam tennis. My name is and was and always will be Lightning. And with me, a man with more controversial comments than Margaret Court, but 24 less grand slams, and even, in fact, a man who's thrown up more awkward comments than Muguruza has thrown up awkward ball tosses. Catters, catters, welcome. Lightning, great to be with you. Thanks for the uh, unnecessary introduction, I would say. You don't need to bring <laughs> up my tennis form. So happy to be discussing tennis straight after the finals. Mm. I know we like to start the show with a bang. We like to get out there. Mm. You often prod me and ask for all my best jokes right at the start. And uh, having thought about that, I'm just going to take a quick medical timeout and leave you for about five and a half minutes. Um, I'll just be in another room doing something suspect. I will come back and I will be extremely funny. <laughs> Which is great, Kat. Of course, I'm sure you're alluding to Novak Djokovic and his purely tactical and inappropriate medical timeouts conducted at crucial moments during his five-set thriller against Dominic Team, which we will get to. But before then, Kat is- Lightning, lightning, I've got it. Sash Tverev is such a f***ing <laughs> I just wanted to get that out. I felt like we hadn't drawn enough attention to that in light of him overperforming at this tournament. No, enough about a man that- will feature heavily later in our poo-down segment, no doubt. Um, Djokovic has put me in a bad mood. I've just seen the final. I'm not happy. Of course, I bring it always back to the children. I grew up on Michael Jackson songs, and I think of the children. And I mean that in the way that... <laughs> in the right way. In the heal the world way, not in the I have a pet monkey named Bubbles type way. And casting my mind... <laughs> As quickly as possible, changing the subject from one MJ, who I was not expecting to bring up already in the intro sequence, through to the fact that Dominic Team, when he was confronted by one of the Australian insects on the court, I just love the way that he would tap that insect onto his hand hmm. and place it carefully off the court. Whereas Novak, the exterminator Djokovic, would simply squash that doodlebug under his heel, showing just psychopathic tendencies, I want to say. And I saw the reflection of Hannibal Lecter in the eyes of our ball kids, and I just thought, it's not a big leap to go from how we treat our insects to how we treat animals to how we treat our next generation of superstars that are obviously not talented enough to get a go on the junior tour, so have reverted to being a ball kid. And I just worry about what this message sends to our next generation. I know, I know. And I could see fear in the reflection of Anita Helmet's uh, helmet. <laughs> uh, she looked at Djokovic. Uh, and look, you know, Australia's lost a, a billion animals in the recent devastating fires. So sure, Djokovic just adds another few hundred to that tally during the Grand Slam final. So thanks, Novak. There's no doubt it was an intimidation tactic. Another intimidation tactic that I, I'm assuming Djokovic probably employed, and that is 
getting human nature to perform at the pre-match ceremony. I assume that was a very obvious jibe at Dominic Team's ridiculous hair and the fact that he's attempting to create an ensemble of men's tennis players to form the backhand boys. <laughs> I think Team had the last laugh when he hired someone to do spoken word Cold War poetry at the change events <laughs> to get his own back, uh, obviously making a comment on Novak Djokovic's shocking Playmobil haircut. <laughs> Also, let's just put this in perspective. I guess most of our listeners won't know who human nature are. Mm. And to that I say, lucky you collectively. (laughs) Uh, They inflicted various crimes against musical humanity in the mid to late 90s against the Australian public. Uh, Shockingly didn't break overseas. Mm. And to be honest, maybe human nature was actually a tribute to that whole generation of women tennis players who also didn't find success abroad. Um, So I thought that was a fitting tribute to Nicole Bradkey. And I wanted to insert name. (laughs) (laughs) That just says it all. There are five or six other chump players who I wanted to put in that bracket. But um, other women who have a human nature and played tennis. (laughs) A shout out to you all. Cutters, there is, as you said, there's so much to talk about, to reflect on. It's our Australian Open review. So let's jump into our first segment, our opening segment that is come on, and let's dissect these two great finals that we've just seen. I've got nothing in my head. I'm just really excited and I want to hug the whole stadium. Well, Cutters, we've just seen two finals that went to the maximum sets. We've seen Muguruza versus Kennan, and very surprisingly, the 14th seed, Sophia Kennan, has taken out Muguruza. Officially, it was the least likely women's final in open history when they looked back at all the previous finalists. This was, on paper, the least likely. Apparently, they also looked predictively ahead, and this, again, was the, the least likely. Apparently, it just pipped Sasha Zvarev undergoing a gender change to attempt a final against a freshly out-of-retirement Margaret Court, and it managed to even become more unlikely than that. And yet, here we were, the 14th seed versus the unseeded Muguruza, and uh, yeah, Kennan got through. What did you make of the match? I didn't enjoy it that much. I mean, I think you and I were exchanging text messages mm. throughout the match itself, and you mentioned, you know, who needs a top 10 player in a final to make it interesting. We do. And um, I detected a hint of sarcasm in that comment, and and rightly so. I thought it was uh, extremely underwhelming Mm. to have two women out on court who we don't really know their backstories. We don't really care about what the future will hold for either of them, I think it's fair to say. And, you know, Kennan, peculiar type. Mm. It's going to sound possibly a little bit harsh, but, you know, has she been tested for humanness i mean (laughs) she's showing for me signs of otherworldly characteristics Mm. there's something radioactive about her personality yes i'd say more robotic and to be honest it came through in her tennis that she was absolutely unafraid at no moment did it occur to her that she was playing a grand slam final she just did whatever she needed to do, goes down a set, comes back fighting. She's two all in the third set, 40 love down, and then apparently said to herself, I just need to play the best five points of my life. And then hit four winners and an ace 
and then won every single game for the rest of the match. It was as though she just literally only saw every point individually and saw no greater context and just saw ball hit ball and you know, got through. So I don't know whether it's the the combo of sort of the born in Moscow, so has the kind of stereotypical Russian straight down the line versus the American, that kind of stereotypical influence of overconfidence and overexuberance. But those two made this kind of Russian-American spy from the future who's come here to attempt to dominate tennis. Are you suggesting she's a time traveller? Has it suddenly gone from alien Mm. to robot to time traveling is that I the- didn't feel there was enough <laughs> metaphors in there to do justice to what we've just seen. I'll throw in one more metaphor. She's mm. like a psychotic energizer bunny. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. And if you look back at the footage, I mean, we've all been seeing it back when she was six, seven years old, returning mm. Andy Roddick's serve, being shown around the tour by one Kim Clijsters. Mm. If you had to put money on it at that stage, that one of the Olsen twins would have gone on to such <laughs> great success on a hard court. Um, I think you would have got very good odds at that stage. <laughs> yeah, I actually wondered whether she was using them as uh, stunt doubles. So at, every time she went off for a medical timeout, she actually just replaced herself with Mary-Kate or Ashley. <laughs> but Sophia Kennan became the youngest woman to beat a world number one at a Grand Slam since 2002. Uh, when Sharapova did it. She became the youngest player to get to a Grand Slam final since Sharapova. And unfortunately, she's um, had comparisons drawn with Sharapova. So uh, there's some good and some bad in that. Um, Sharapova has just dropped 225 places to now number 371 in the world, a mere 23 places off Udice Chong's uh, <laughs> She's coming for you, Sharapova. She's coming for you. Uh, and I look forward to Sophia Cannon launching her range of confectionery uh, this summer as well. So, Cannon M's. Yeah. <laughs> but not a lot to get excited about, to be honest, Lightning. I mean, I struggle with women's tennis at the best of times, but it's uh, the weak agenda. Others have said that. Others have said that about our podcast, that we have a weak agenda. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, what did you make of Muguruza? Of her serving? Unbelievable. Don't even start me on that. I mean, has there ever been a match with more aborted first ball tosses? Mm. I mean, that's a stat that I didn't ever think I would bring up, but someone must have been noting that. I think it was more than 50% of the time she was pulling out of her first ball toss. Mm. You know, in this day and age where we're sticklers for the time clock, there has to be some <laughs> sort of penalty it's like golf. Hit it where it lies. Like, you just have to. <laughs> seriously, I, no sympathy. And look, to be fair, the conditions weren't ideal. You know, it was mm. under the roof on a hard mm. court <laughs> on a very still Melbourne evening. But it was the way I think she got around the shot clock is whenever it got down to zero, even if she was six or seven metres behind the baseline, she just <laughs> threw the ball up, uh, pretending she was in service motion. Honestly, it got to the point where you're like, Get somebody else to throw the <laughs> yes. ball up yes. for you. Yes, like, that's exactly what I was... Oh, it was unbelievable. It, was, it, it should have been like the exhibition matches where the players will hand their rackets to the ball boys. She honestly should have said, you stand here, 
You just throw it up. I mean, you're allowed to hold my towel, so surely you can throw up a ball. You throw it up, and I'll just volleyball style, I'll then parry it in. I mean, I have honestly not seen so many horrible tosses since those Greek supporters were thrown out of the open. (laughs) And Kat, is match number two, where... Coming off the back of a five-set, I wouldn't say thriller, but perhaps an epic between Dominic Team and Novak Djokovic. Djokovic has now become the third person to win eight or more slams. Of the one particular slam, he's now won eight Australian Opens. He's now won 17 Grand Slams. He's become the first man to win slams across three different decades and the first person with glued on hair to be allowed out in public. (laughs) So it's an incredible rate of success the man's having. How did you assess Djokovic's performance and and indeed the match itself? Yeah, Lightning, for me, the biggest takeout was that it was the return of winning ugly. And Mm. I love that. (laughs) I'm a huge fan of kick, scratch, scrater, have a ball kid throw up your ball for you, whatever it takes to get the job done. And I don't think we've seen a player at the Australian Open win this ugly since Peter Corder in the mid-90s. I mean, his face was no oil painting, let's face it. Just outstanding to see the Joker say, you know what, I don't care. I'm going to do whatever the freak it takes to roll this guy. And... Look, again, it might be just the way I'm interpreting things, but he came across as extremely arrogant and almost dismissive of what team was able to do. So this sense of entitlement, similar to what we've seen with Rafa of... I will take as long as I freaking well want to throw up this serve and you 16,000 fans sweltering in the Melbourne conditions can actually go home for all I care because none of you are supporting me. I mean, I don't even bring my wife to these tournaments. That's how much I've given up on anyone chanting my name. If you've lost faith in your own family supporting you, then you've probably lost faith in humanity. And that's the level that Djokovic has gotten to where he's like, it's a combative element of stuff you all. I'm going to win this match and I'm going to win it however required. Would you say that was well demonstrated when he turned to the crowd and said, shut the f*** up? (laughs) I I didn't hear him saying that when 10,000 Serbian fans were going off their chops before, during and after every serve of the entire match in the ATP Cup final. But all of a sudden, when, you know, latte-sipping 76-year-old Gerald coughs a little belatedly, gets told to shut the f*** up. It's unbelievable. For me, similar to stroke play itself, it's all about timing. And had he said those words, for example, when human nature took to the stage pregame, he probably would have found himself with 15,000 more fans. (laughs) And Kat, there was a moment of complete controversy when he was called for two time violations, one of which resulted in losing a serve. And following that very game... In going to his chair, he touched the foot multiple times of the chair umpire, which in my books is an absolute no-go. What did you make of him playing footsie with the umpire? I didn't like it at all, Lightning. And and I think in Denmark, mm. that is, that is, um, that's foreplay. And I'm not going <laughs> to mince my words, Lightning. That was a chilling Me Too moment, and I didn't appreciate it. <laughs> Rubbing oneself against a neighbor's sneaker 
is uh it's seduction at its best isn't it yeah, yeah. i mean it starts with that and before you know it you're disrobing the umpire <laughs> i'm a bit the same umpires should not have to tolerate that kind of thing in the workplace i mean for me you just have no idea of an umpire's sensitivities. He might have an ingrown toenail. He might have a tender piggy toe. He might have a tinnier issue that's now flared up. So I, I don't I don't think it's fair to assume that you know the, the inner workings of an umpire's foot. Yeah, we can only hope it's now spread to Djokovic's hand. Um. <laughs> Which I believe is actually how the uh, coronavirus started, actually. Um <laughs> But I, I have a feeling that it might be that the fungus turned radioactive because later in the match, Djokovic, whilst looking as though he had the coronavirus, magically turned it on and found a way to, to actually start remembering how to perform on a tennis court. So maybe maybe it was following that great Serbian ritual where you do touch the feet of an elevated shaman um, and try and be infused by its fungus. But however it happened, so- something has gone on there, which is clearly illegal and abusive. So I don't like what I saw with him. I don't like what I saw with Rafa, who was also getting extremely mm. petulant in his quarterfinal match against Dominic Team. Maybe it's Dominic Team's influence. I mean, those... Those fiery tips are enough to get me aggravated or sexually aroused in Djokovic's case at the best of times. Rafa then implying that it was because they played one of the best rallies of the match that Rafa Mm. then has an extra 30 seconds dispensation to remove the wedge that is firmly jammed between his cheeks as a result of parading back and forth in the court. I don't think he gets any special privileges there. Exactly. His famous line, which I think was classic, was, you not like the good tennis? You not like the good tennis? <laughs> the fact that he turned Italian mid-tournament was surprising <laughs> as a tactic. But you're right, Cutters. He was basically asking for an extra 30 seconds because he was applauding his own good tennis, if you will, and therefore had his own head up his own butt and therefore needed the extra 30 <laughs> seconds to, to pluck the wedge from it. Let's just smash this veneer. Let's remove this facade. The top three have been having it their way for too long. They can do whatever the freak they want. And this is what I was saying before, from stomping on bugs, which let's face it, should have at least received a reprimand, through to torching ball kids at the change events, which I'm sure my eyes weren't deceiving me as I watched the Australian Open at 4am local Danish time. Let's just accept the fact that Okay, Djokovic is going to act like a prat whenever he walks onto court. Rafa Nadal is going to take however the freak long he wants between points. Roger Federer is going to just sit in his pimp chair at the drawer of the tournament and demand which guys he wants to play against, when he wants to play against them, and how he wants to play against them. And how... (laughs) And the scoreline. And the scoreline. It's utterly ridiculous. They are beyond reproach and it annoys the heck out of me. And the fact that Roger demanded that he would play in the women's draw from the third round through to the semis was taking the piss. But it's appeasement. If we don't nip this in the bud now, Lightning, what is it going to be like in 25 years when they're hunting their collective 150th Grand Slam title? There has not been severe enough investigation. And as you said, Kat, as we're colluders. I mean, not only, though, is 
Federer having it all his own way, the language that man was allowed to use and get away with throughout this tournament. He was, of course, slapped with a fine in a major tournament for only the second time in his career when apparently he used, as we've later heard, an R-rated German word, which I believe uh, was was Hasselhoff. Um, <laughs> but basically, he got undone because he swore in kind of Swiss German and the linesman spoke both languages and then went up and dibber-dobbed on him. So this is one of the first people to call out Fed, who's probably been using these tactics and bad-mouthing the opposition for years, only for us not to have bilingual lines people planted around the court in order to be able to detect it. So finally, Kat, it's the uprising that's required to, as you've said, take the veneer, remove the veneer off the top three. Is that a sponsorship opportunity, Lightning? I mean, should should Alexa be placed on court and just actively translating what is whispered under the breath of these players? Because I think it's extremely unfair that you could come from Micronesia and forge a career based on death threats that no one can understand all this time. Also, should we actually retrospectively review the footage of Federer now? Mm, Sit down absolutely. with a Swiss-German linguistic expert and fine him retrospectively for all these times he's been saying that he would you know mount the chair umpire like a rabid dog (laughs) oh dear i'm struggling to see how we've ended up where we've ended up i'm in my mind mentally unpicking the conversation as it's unfolded here cutters and see eight different routes you've taken us down but all of them are points well made don't worry lightning i'll edit it all out listeners i will edit out nothing it takes way too long do you regret not apologizing for hitting him with the ball in the third why would i apologize why would i apologize i want for i mean dude's got how many slams how much money in the bank account I think you can take a ball to the chest, bro. Catters, another open over, a new one just begun. So who has impressed us? Who uh, who are becoming the up-and-comers? Who, who are going to take the throne? And who's disappointed? Who, despite all the potential in the world, has followed the trajectory of our own Philippoo, the Poosus, the Scud? Uh, Catters, who is your fed up? Lightning, my fed up is the man himself, Roger Federer. Wow. Utterly brilliant tournament in the terms of ability on court versus results. (laughs) He didn't look good. He didn't move very well. He was irritated, as we mentioned earlier, Mm. but he just did enough to get the job done. And Mm. I love to see a champion who vampire-like just finds a way to get up off the canvas and beat some chump down the other end who has no business even challenging him. So got himself into a few predicaments along the way, I think you mm-hmm. could say. I would say mm-hmm. being 8-4 down in a super tie break uh, against oh. John Millman was probably not his best uh, position Oof. to be in, but Arfed gets through it. Against Tennis Sengren, <laughs> yes. down seven match points. Seven match points across two sets. Amazing. Incredible. And yet still finds a way to win. So, And I was going to say, shall we say, without a hip. Exactly. So no time to go full Robocop like Andy Murray has opted. Uh, it's a lifestyle choice. Margaret Court. <laughs> um, and 
Fed just went out there walking wounded and got mm. spanked by Djokovic. But again, you know, he's a warrior for the sport of tennis. And I love seeing a man like that who his body is starting to fail him. His mind is starting to fail him. Mm. Spiritually, he's bankrupt, I hear, uh, unofficially. <laughs> uh, but he's still getting the results on the board. So a semi-final looks great on paper in spite of, you know, how the man had to get across the line. Did you hear the statistics, Catters, that he's not retired for a match in 1,500 matches? It's unbelievable. So uh, some players, a Bernard Tomic, attempts to retire from every second one as part of his contract, <laughs> and yet Federer literally 1,500 matches will refuse. So that, of course, means he played a few matches in a wheelchair, one on a Segway uh, against Tennis Sangren. That was the case. I uh, thought a controversial move, found a loophole in some of the rules, which, you know, kudos to him. And uh, he play, He did one from his hospital bed too, which was uh, particularly impressive. A little dull for the fans, but a pretty impressive stat. 1,500 matches, zero retirements. Yeah, I- incredible effort from Fed. I wish I could say the same of my poo down. And that is tennis. Tennis? It's tennis. Tennis generally? Tennis played by Sasha Zverev. No, no, it's <laughs> Tennis Sangren. Ah. Our favourite redneck from the Deep South and... I pumped him up last episode and said he was a man to look out for, mainly on the streets late at night. Uh, if you're <laughs> with your girlfriend, keep her close to you uh, and all precious belongings uh, within reach. But Tennis Sengren, with his cutoff sleeves, just not giving a stuff about anything, including winning matches, because he put himself in an incredible position against... Um, a close to paraplegic Roger Federer still found a way to lose, which I think is impressive. So they say that tennis finds new ways to uh, surprise us every year. And in this case, Tennis Sengren has overwhelmingly taken out my award for the biggest crapper of one's own bed trophy, which I look forward to handing to him in person when I fly to the Deep South Questionable Politics Conference this September and hand him over the illustrious Golden Turd in Golden Bed Award. Just don't walk down a small alleyway at night with that said trophy cutters, otherwise you will be in trouble. Um, Come and get it. (laughs) True to form, though, he did tweet straight after the match against Federer. So it's two shots for every blown match point, isn't it? And I think that's great. So he he did hit the town hard that night or the porch he had installed at his Marriott Hotel where he could just rock back and forth and scull his whiskey and fire shots at any unwelcome guests walking up and down in the corridor. Exactly, and Chewy's tobacco. It was, it was quite the sight. Lightning, what do you have in the fed up and poo down stakes? Catters, for me, it's an easy one. Dominic Team. He's now the fourth ranked player in the world, jumping Medvedev. He's now lost three Grand Slam finals, but he's coming. He is clearly the only player beginning to rise up to challenge the big three and will be there when their veneer disappears. Such an impressive campaign. He almost became the first person since Stander Man Wawrinka to beat 
Nadal and Djokovic in the one slam to take out the trophy, you totally forget that for all of Nadal and Federer and Djokovic, when they won their first Grand Slams, they took out someone else who'd never won a Grand Slam. So mm. Dominic Team doesn't have the luxury. He has to take out the best in the world or two of the three best in the world or two and the three best of all time. And he almost did it this year. And what I love about Dominic Team is His hair. the way he marked is not his hair. I love everything that is not his hair. Is the fact that it looks like birds have shat on him, <laughs> qualifying him for poo down? I'm a little disappointed he didn't make that category. <laughs> it was hair up, poo down, I believe. <laughs> so, Very exactly. good. That's the style that all the kids this week have been begging their respective hairdressers for the world around. <laughs> Exactly, and he is now marketing the Melbourne Seagull uh, shampoo to help peroxide ball boy children around the world um, so that ball boys everywhere can stick it to the globe and stick up their hair uh, this week. So we look forward to this really catching on, much like the fungal infection that uh, (laughs) Djokovic received from the umpire. (laughs) Kat is... I'm not sure if you're aware, but it's different to Djokovic where his family refused to attend the Open with him. Dominic Team has his mum with him at every match and she was there in her what looked like her pyjamas in the stands. Um, <laughs> it was getting a little late. Uh, it had passed 8 o'clock by the time the first set was underway, so fair enough. Her diligence to remain on the Austrian time zone this entire <laughs> two-week tournament I think has been... As uh, dogged as the determination of her son exactly. himself. Exactly. But look, she goes beyond that, Cutters. We've now found out that she gets a tattoo on her body. I don't know where, but it's representative of the place that Dominic Team wins a tournament. So if he wins in New Zealand, apparently she would even get a tattoo of something that represented New Zealand. So here in Australia, had Dominic Team won... Catters, what tattoo would Dominic Team's mum have received this year? Well, Lightning, there's very little doubt in my mind that she would have obviously gotten a flaming koala. And it's not a tattoo that I endorse, but topical, yes. Too soon. <laughs> I would have said a charred kangaroo, but, you know, if you... <laughs> much better, much better. But it does concern me because... He is a man who has shown throughout this tournament that he's going to be winning a lot of titles. Hmm. So does that include only Grand Slams? Obviously not. No. It includes everything. That's right. Gosh. Hmm. Well, considering that he won the Open in Vienna last year and has already pledged his commitment to play that in the coming years, that is a lot of Wiener Schnitzel on the old old lady's flank. (laughs) And Lightning, how about your poo down? My poo down, Cutters, is controversial. It's the second time in three episodes I have said this name, Ashley Barty. Now, Cutters, mm. I, I want to make crystal clear that this is in no way reflection of her tennis. In fact, to get to the semi-final in her home slam as number one with all the pressure that comes with that, I was mightily impressed to the point where neither of us really talked her up on this podcast, basically out of an assumption that she'd be unable to deliver with all that pressure. For me, tennis, great. 
loved it, semi-final, lost to the eventual winner, arguably in a game that I think she was the better player, but that aside, Ash, you will keep your tennis equals good. For me, it was the stunt she pulled in her press conference that left me on the back foot. Mm. For those who didn't see it, she loses a semi-final. She should have won. She should be thinking about fessing up, what went wrong, what happened. She had set points. She had the match on her string. She rocks into press conference to explain herself with a child, a baby, if you will, a 12-week-old niece. Kat, it's not her child. We don't even know whose child it was. Uh, I believe she visited a nursery on the way home, plucked one at random, and fronted up with a 12-week-old. Then whenever a controversial question was asked, she performed a nappy change. She (laughs) breastfed it, which was incredible. Totally surprising. But basically the criticism, and sadly, Kat, as I agree with, is that she used the baby as a human shield. Mm. For me, her line in the press conference, when everyone's trying to say, what went wrong? Did you choke? Did you, you know, fail to live up to expectations? And her line was, well, this is what life's about. What, Ash? Distracting people from questions of choking? Is that what life's about? Uh, but what did you make of the press conference? Well, I was as baffled as you were, Lightning. Firstly, mm. because, look, I thought that it was her child and I, I felt that that was the delay in getting to the presser room that she'd given birth <laughs> post-match, which would have explained her sluggish nature on the court. I was a little disappointed, to be fair, when we mm. found out that it wasn't hers. Totally agree that it's a tool for deflection. Yes, I had a bigger issue with that match, which was once again, there needs to be an alternative outfit when your two main players are sponsored by identical kits. It's bloody ridiculous. I'm watching on a small screen in Denmark where I cannot work out who I'm meant to be cheering for and which robot I'm meant to be lambasting down the end of my TV screen. And they were in identical feeler outfits in that beautiful mm-hmm. light green, spring green color. Mm. Same hats, same socks, same shoes. There has to be a point of differentiation. Yeah. So for me, great, Ash, you had the baby. Where was that baby on court when you could have at least had it strapped to your back like Master Blaster in Mad Max 2 so that we could see who the Aussie battler was that we're meant to be supporting? So from now on, I suggest... If you have identical players going up head-to-head, strap on the mini Fred, Schwartzman, take one for the team yet again so we can tell who the freak we're supporting. Yeah. Flip for the child. It's a fair policy, Cutters. (laughs) Absolutely. Flip the child. Heads or tails. (laughs) Heads or faces. Uh, Whichever way it lands up. Dropping babies, an area that I I didn't expect us to go, but not our lowest point of the recent season of podcasts. You owe me an apology. I have never cheated in my life. Kill violation, verbal abuse. It's not touching the line. I mean, if we had Hawkeye, you would be so freaking embarrassed right now. Cutters. This is a segment known as Mixed Troubles because tennis is more than what we see. It's the behind the scenes. It's the tension. It's the narratives that we need to be filled in on. Catters, what are the stories adding to the colour of tennis that we've seen in this Australian Open? Muster Update. I repeat, Muster Update. 
I promised uh, I would follow up on the Thomas Muster fiasco mm. that was taking place where Dominic team hired him pre-tournament and then proceeded to sack him prior to his third round match. So yes. Muster lasted two rounds of this tournament, which is better than could be said for Sitsipas. <laughs> Tommy Muster, we're big fans here at the Backhanders. We want to know what happened to this man. And mm. it's still pretty unclear, but... I know that Dominic team has spoken out about it since and said that it was purely professional, nothing to do with any personal problems yeah. with Tommy. And Lightning, I think you also have an update from the man himself. I did. I, I busily put a mic in front of Thomas and said, former King of Clay, explain yourself. And he said, and this is the exact quote, it's like this. There are houses which look nice from the outside, wonderful from the outside, but you rarely know who lives inside cryptic at best it is particularly when due to the hair that house don't look that good <laughs> no. i would be installing a new roof pronto <laughs> but silver lining lightning as a result i know that tommy muster has become a much sought after commodity leading into the french open sorry as, I, I, uh, I just thought you were calling dominic team silver lining but you're actually referring to <laughs> thomas muster <laughs> all right uh, that's silver foil, I think you'll know, and it takes a good three hours, Lightning. I'll have you respect the hair up, poo down fad sweeping the nation. It's been a bad week for Tommy Muster in the short term, but given team's amazing performance making the final, our friend Muster is a scarce commodity. People have been lining up to hire and fire this man for the upcoming slams. <laughs> Exactly. Everyone wants the punching bag that they can have their way with for two games and then dish out mid-tournament. So I believe Lendl's now putting up his real estate and saying, I've also been fired by you know, top 10 players recently, so give me a shot too. <laughs> but Kat, is anything else that's been going on under the category of mixed troubles? Well, the other one would have to be not so much infighting as, well, it's still argy-bargy off the court. I think it would be fair to say. And that is... Following their Legends match, Martina Navratilova and John McEnroe, they took to the court to protest the naming of Margaret Court Arena. They're only about 16, 17 years too late, but <laughs> but the sentiment is outstanding. And post-match, they produced a banner that was emblazoned with Yvonne Gulagong Arena. And then Navratilova proceeded to scale the umpire's chair and make a highly politicized announcement to all fans. Unfortunately, the telecast had already been cut, and I believe given that it was a Legends match, there were about 12 people <laughs> on the court at the time. So, look, if a tree falls in the forest... <laughs> exactly, Cutters. Exactly. If a tree falls. For me, too, this has been the 50th anniversary of Margaret Court's final calendar slam, and... Tennis Australia were very smart and strategic in burying the ceremony to celebrate said 50th anniversary so deep in the pre-match proceedings that I would again ask, if a tree falls in the forest, <laughs> did it really happen? So, It's a great point. The way that they media managed this was brilliant by saying... We're now going to give a small trophy to Margaret Court presented by Rod Laver. <laughs> How 
How does everyone feel about Rod Laver? <laughs> the rocket, yeah. <laughs> the rocket, bring it on. And Margaret Court, who uh, won many slams playing tennis. <laughs> tennis. Let's bring on tennis. tennis Sangren for no reason. Come on, tennis. Let's get your guns out here. You still drunk, tennis? Yes. <laughs> It's Rocket Rod Laver giving it to Limp Biscuit, Margaret Court. <laughs> I feel Tennis Sengren and Rocket Rod Laver on the back of a Chevy uh, with all guns blazing <laughs> was a sight I never thought I'd see. And if it took Margaret Court her 50-year anniversary to get there, then I support every political view you've ever posited, Margaret. <laughs> On a side note, Cutters, have you seen the Uber Eat ad with Rocket Rod Laver? No, I haven't. It is just class. Was it made by Pixar? Because someone had to animate him. I saw him last night at the coverage and he was asleep slash in a coma by the third set. I can't believe the poor 81-year-old Rod Laver needs to sit through five hours of tennis purely because it's his stand every freaking tournament. I think he's just looking forward to dying in peace and being (laughs) stuffed and placed in that chair all year round. (laughs) Oh, he only stays in the chair cutters. He hasn't moved from that chair. He's just liked the fact that for two weeks the place comes alive. He has company. he has felt like a night at the museum for almost the entire year. Has no... Has no one explained to him that when you get your name on a court, you don't have to (laughs) physically reside there? Please don't patronise me. I I would have. No, no, you are. In the way you're asking, in the way you're asking your question, you are being quite disrespectful, and you are patronising me. I'm a professional competitor who did her best today. Well, Catters, that brings the Oz Open 2020 to a close. A year in which you predicted the winner, at least on the men's side. Djokovic came through with the goods for you. Otherwise, neither of us were anywhere near it on the women's side. And our dark horses, well, didn't do too bad, but didn't come through with the goods. But we now, Catters, move our attention beyond the Australian Open towards, dare we say, Le French Open. An open we, we don't look forward to, nor do we actually call a, an open, a slam. And yet we'll we'll follow it regardless. Catters, what are we expecting to see as we move towards the clay? Let's face it, we're not huge fans of the French Open. We don't agree with it on religious grounds. <laughs> uh, it's not something that tickles our collective fancy. But I'm looking forward to, similar to the bushfire appeal that we had here, where every ace went towards the Red Cross's uh, fund. I've set up something similar where every ace will go towards actually sealing the clay to become a hard court for 2021. <laughs> so your uh, campaign is called Ace for Rebound Ace? Is that the campaign as you're Correct. Launching? Correct. Oh, it's hashtag seal the deal. Um, <laughs> let's make every post a winner and see the French Open become a legitimate tournament next year. So we can only play the long game right now, Lightning. We can only hope. We can only hope, I believe, too, that... Dominic Team and Dimitrov of continuing with their exploration of a boy band. Uh, apparently, Fed is looking uh, at some post-career opportunities, so he's looking at joining that. And I think I believe they might be trialing out at the French Open and, and trying to form Le Human Nature. So we might even 
see that uh, as uh, as their first performance at the, the, the French Open, particularly it not being a, a real tournament. It's not a bad kind of exhibition space to trial new things. So, Catters, uh, so much to look forward to, and thank you for your commentary and insights and some of the lawsuits that we're now going to be facing. We will navigate those over the coming months until we join you again, dear listeners. But in the meantime... Please subscribe and through Instagram at the back end and also on Facebook. We'd love you to review and share if you've enjoyed and appreciated what we've done just to help get the word out for the back enders so that others can jump along and enjoy that ride too. So tennis fans, be loud, be supportive, chanting and cheering. But of course, if you feel like you would like to chant for Djokovic, just remember, quiet please. <laughs>